take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram or LinkedIn and Twitter at Couples Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring your experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach you what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about a a favorite movie of ours. Yes. Called The Shift. The Shift. And The Shift was produced by Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who I believe passed in 2017 or 2015. I, I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I don't know the date, but he has passed. He has passed. And he and... was so passionate about this concept that he actually self-funded this movie, and it's on YouTube in its entirety for free. Uh, there are other movies on YouTube called The Shift. This is the one by Wayne Dyer. Yeah, we actually assigned this as a homework assignment for the couples that we work with because- Correct. We feel that the concepts in there that are presented are extremely important, extremely important for couples to know about as they're navigating the challenges of being in a committed partnership, which is pretty challenging. It can be pretty challenging. It also talks about the point of why. And this isn't Dr. Wayne Dyer's concept, the morning of life in the afternoon. Actually, Carl Young's. Right. Yeah. And someone, and I still have yet to find the study, and Wayne Dyer quotes it in his book, uh, which is the first place I heard it was one of his books, which I was listening to on audio, so I didn't have it in front of me. And now I forgot which book it was because he's written like 20-something books. But uh, if you do your research, you can actually find the study that quotes um, what they were looking at is men and women in the morning of life, what were their priorities, and the shift actually is the shift into the afternoon of life, which is what is the Carl Jung concept. Yeah, and the morning of life is not just every morning. It is a right. phase in your life. Mm-hmm. It can last your entire life. Some of you may have parents who are still in the morning of life or grandparents that have never quite made the shift. Some people might shift because of an early event in their life. Uh, death of a significant person or some other trial that they've gone through. And some people might shift when they're 80 years old. I would say that this is also generational because generations ago, this is not something that people would really consider in their lives. There was kind of a role to play. There was a formula to life. You worked at your nine to five. You got your gold watch your pension you know you had very static roles in your relationship and so there really wasn't much fluctuation 
And you know, I think it's the fluctuation that has brought about this, this challenge uh, to evolve for all couples. I'm glad you said you're nine to five because the nine to five was invented in the 1800s. It wasn't always that way on this planet. And on this planet, when we lived in tribes and closer to each other, those shifts would happen because the elders would have rituals and things that they would help the younger people go through in order to shift from the morning of life or the domestication, everything you were told was important in the world that you needed to learn as a child, but things that you don't need as an adult, but probably are not aware of. And a lot of those things are irrelevant now, or they don't exist anymore, or they've evolved into something new that is necessary. And so we are finding ourselves at this precipice of looking at our relationships from a very different perspective now. And it's not just following a formula, but it's really creating something that has never been demonstrated before. So if you think about when you were a child, somebody probably taught you to hold someone's hand when you cross the street. Most people learn that as children. But if you were in a city today, you wouldn't look around for some guy to hold his hand so you could cross the street. That would be silly. And so this is kind of that concept of what we need or what's true in the morning of life is no longer true or needed in the afternoon of life because the rules that we have and the domestication that we have as children, we don't so much need in the afternoon of life. However, because of the way our society has evolved with the heavy influence of schooling and the longer preparation for adulthood, a lot of these shifts aren't happening. So you're seeing people who are getting closer in their 30s and 40s before they're even aware that they don't have to follow the agenda that they learned as children. And this is a lot about what we are helping couples learn so they can transform from having an adult child relationship with their partner to having an adult-adult relationship. Because most often what happens is couples take the expectations that they learned growing up and they bring it into their committed partnership and they project these expectations onto each other. And it may be expectations that worked for their family of origin growing up, but it is now something that is not going to work in moving forward and trying to create a new relationship, an evolved relationship from what they had been, uh, what they had witnessed from their parents. And so that, that is what couples are, are struggling with that. There's a lot of times they get into this stalemate. And the stalemate is if you would just do things the way that I know them to be, then things are going to be okay. That's the right way to do things. But it's, there is no right way. And so couples find themselves in this, you know, this stalemate, as I said, where they don't know how to create an us. They, they just stay in this my way or your way, and they don't know how to evolve and create this now afternoon of life for their relationship. And most people 50 years ago, they stayed living in the culture that they learned their domestication in. So both people bought into that. So for example, my parents, they 
married when my mom was 19 and my dad was 21, which was very common. All their friends and siblings were getting married at that age. They were starting families very young. My mom stayed home with the kids. My dad went to work. Everyone on the block, the women were home with the kids and the dads went to work. Everyone was Catholic and went to church on Sunday. Everyone was at all the things. And so I still grew up in a pretty small town feel, even though that town now is completely diverse and that doesn't exist at all anymore. Nobody's has the whole block on the street with the mom's home and all the kids are outside playing. You know, now if you are a, a parent that stays home with your children, you're pretty isolated. There's not a lot of community around that. And if you have your kids in daycare, then you're living your adult life and your kids kind of have their separated out life. And your kids are probably almost always under the watch of an adult. Yeah, I grew up in a neighborhood that you could... You were out all day, you know, with your friends, and if you went halfway across town and you did something, you know, that was not okay, by the time you got home, your parents knew about it. So there was this community where people really looked out for each other. And, you know, we have that here. And now that we've moved to Colorado, we Mm -hmm. have this kind of tight-knit community also where people look out for each other because you have to. You know, you are really out in the elements and so you look to your neighbors to depend on them but most people here are in different stages of life so there isn't young people raising children here right we're in different stages so this is why this idea of the afternoon of life is so incredibly important because we don't have the overculture to guide us in how to deal with things as the world changes and I find it very interesting. I, we were listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about the impact of COVID on the workforce and how some people were able to go down to working virtually and working four days a week. And because of that, businesses could cut back and save some money, and the people finally had better work-life balance. And the workforce is now saying, I would rather make less money and have better work-life balance which is the first time we've ever seen a drive in that direction in probably 100 years. The message before was always work hard, you know, be secure. Be ambitious. Be ambitious, prepare for the future, be as, success, as successful as you can. And now it's like, well, we find other things to be important. And so this is a shift in the overculture, which we really, I've never seen it in my lifetime. So that it's very interesting, and that's dictating things. It'll be interesting to see how those things play out. The other thing that is very different, which we also alluded to, is the multi-generational family support isn't there so much because people have migrated to different parts of the country or the world, so they're not living in the town they grew up in with their parents, with their siblings that are kind of built-in babysitters, with their nieces and nephews, and so people tend to be fairly isolated. So there's a lot of different things we have to do now in order to survive. It's a lot of burnout. Well, you know, just within us and our family, we find the same thing, you know, with our kids in D.C. and now our grandchild in D.C. Right. So now in order to visit and to be there as a support, uh, we have to take multiple planes to get out there, right? Which was not the case growing up at all. I mean, we had 
Well, I, you had grandparents around that were close by, right? So did you. And I had grandparents that, on my dad's side that were, were close by. And we also had extended family. Mm-hmm. And it was always the expe- expectation of the family. It was just unwritten expectation that you take care of each other and you look out for each other. And that's just, it, it's kind of a lot more watered down now. And that's not the the unwritten expectation. And the other thing is you always had a certain level of respect for the older people in the in the family. So all of our Christmases were spent at my grandparents' house, where now, because it's easier for us to travel, we're spending our holidays at our kids' houses. They're not coming to us as much as we are going to them because of logistics, because of a lot of things that, that it's another way the world has changed. So let's get back to the shift. And there's a part of the movie it's pretty far into it, so it's a real slow movie. Um, if you're going to watch it, you want to pay attention because it moves slow, but there's so much good stuff in there. But if you have a minute, grab a pencil or a pen and paper because you're going to want to write this down. He talks about this so quickly, and it's the main gist of what the shift is. And what he's talking about is what are the qualities or the priorities of men and women in the morning of life, and then after the shift into the afternoon of life. So we're going to give you that list, okay? So for the guys, so write down men and write down the numbers one through six. In that study that I'm quoting but don't know exactly where it is, but it's in Wayne Dyer's book, um, he talks about the six priorities of men in the morning of life. So this is what boys are being taught is important as they grow up. Number one is wealth. Number two is adventure. Number three is achievement. Number four is pleasure. Number five is to be respected. And number six is to have fun. So if you look what we teach our boys, it's have a good time and grab all you can. So that list in The Morning of Life for Men, it really makes me think about the movie American Psycho. Because that, the character in American Psycho is the epitome of that Morning of Life list to the extreme. Hmm. All about, you know, uh, success money, power, you know, uh, manipulating people. And and that's really what the movie uh, promotes as strength in masculinity. Right, and importance. And I remember going through this with my dad. So I was probably 17, 18, 19 years old at the time. And he was really struggling with being disrespected by his children. So if I'm that age, my eldest brother's like 21, and the youngest at the time is, well, of the seven of us, is 13, 14. There's two more little ones after that. But he's really, he was really struggling with that. We were all in our rebellious years, and we wanted to do things different than he was teaching us. And there were some things that he couldn't just carte blanche get respect, which is something he gave to his parents. That was a very 
just because of your stature or your position in life, you respected your elders. And that shift was starting to happen around that time where people were doing things different. Now people completely disrespect the older generations. That's not a value anymore. Well, they, they put older generations at the same level as they are. Right. There, there is no like status or hierarchy anymore. There's no respect for that longevity and life experience. They think, and this is part of the school systems. Well, I learned it in school, so I know everything. Right. Well, I mean, I think that the, the, the issue really is the, the complete dismissal. It's like you are out of touch. The, the world has changed. Things are different now. And so your values, your belief system is, is out of touch. It's irrelevant. So because of that, I don't have to give respect to that. That's, I think that's really kind of where that's it's coming narrative. from. Yeah. yeah. Which if you feel that way, just know it's completely not true. Your life exposure is that small, but what your parents and grandparents know in their life experiences and the value that comes into play in relationships and in matters of the heart, you're sorely mistaken because what you've learned is logic and reason and intellect, but you haven't learned relationship and you haven't learned how to be a part of a community and other people where those things are a value still. So try to keep an open mind with that. So if we look at now the women's list, number one for women is family. Number two is independence because every little girl learns you have to take care of everybody else, but no one's going to take care of you. Number three is career. And career for women is different than the wealth and achievement for men. Career is it's still in that realm of tell me I'm good enough. And that's why women will do much more for less money. Number four is to fit in. Number five is to be seen as attractive. And number six is to be loved. And there's three things that stand out to me about this list. So hopefully you've written this down because it's really hard to remember all 12 of those items. And one thing that stands out about the list is if we live to about the age of 30 and our only goal is to pass on our genetics, it's probably not a bad list, right? The guy should be able to be the king of the hill, support his family. The woman should be attractive enough to keep him interested so their kids grow up and then they die and the next generation takes over. However, we live much longer than that now. The second thing that stands out to me about this list is it's a really good formula for codependency. And this is a big buzz thing in our world right now in terms of relationships. And you probably will find you you see yourself on both lists. And that, again, is a result of the shifts in the overculture where boys and girls are taught lots of different things now. So girls are also taught that, you know, becoming successful is important and it's not just about raising families. And boys are also taught that raising families is important. Boys are much more involved as fathers than fathers have ever been. So you may find yourself on a blend of this list. But that idea of this codependency that one person is right and the other person should serve them is sort of the formula of codependency. And it's a symbiotic relationship where both people need those roles. And there's a lot of stuff behind that. And we'll talk about that and have talked about that in other podcasts. But you, if you see that in your relationship, this is part of that domestication where you're not aware yet of maybe your own thoughts and feelings about how to be in this world and be in a relationship. 
And the third thing that stands out to me about this list is if you are uh, a fan of Brene Brown, who studies shame in people, the this list is identical to the reasons men and women experience shame in the world. Not attractive enough, not enough money, not the corner office, not liked by other people. All of those kind of things are the reasons we experience shame. And to the degree that we experience shame, we keep that a secret. And that gets us caught up in all sorts of addictive behaviors. And you can have addictive behaviors without being an addict. But we, we you can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to prayer. You can be addicted to substances. You can be addicted to parenting. Distractions in general. Yeah. I just heard on the radio today, there's a lawsuit for girls who are Instagram addicts and that has caused them a problem with suicide and body image issues. Oh, that's interesting. Who's the lawsuit against? Against Instagram? Instagram? Mm -hmm. Against Facebook and Instagram because they have knowingly targeted young girls and shown them pro pro uh self-harm self-harm and, uh, body yep mm-hmm. image issues wait till they get a hold of tiktok tiktok's a different country well it is yeah but i thought that was really interesting and you know that's another thing in our culture is we don't really teach self-reliance we do a lot of suing like someone else should take that responsibility and I, I know it's hard to get off the social media or to have some boundaries with it, but ultimately it's still your life and your choice over what you allow yourself to be exposed to and how you parent your children around that. And a lot of parents simply ignore the whole thing. And, you know, kids are sitting in their phones late at night when you're sleeping and they're being exposed to really nothing good. I can promise you nothing good. So Wayne Dyer talks about this shift that occurs mm-hmm. from the morning of life to the afternoon of life. And he talks about this shift being... He says it's surprising. Surprising, yeah. He calls it a quantum event. Mm, yeah. Surprising, loving, enduring. It doesn't go away. Once it gets its hooks in you, you can't unsee it. And so he, to me, it's like a pivot. Mm, I was going to say, it, you know, we, we call it a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes through pivotal moments in their life, maybe because, you know, there was a death of a parent or, you know, you got fired from your job, something that was really pivotal for you, where it causes you to take a step back and really look at your life and what you've been doing and whether you want to continue doing the same thing. And so when you think about even COVID, COVID could have been Absolutely. a very pivotal moment for a lot of people in their and lives. And it doesn't have to be one singular moment. It can be a series of moments that happens over time. It can be a breakup with a significant person. Mm. It can be a job you didn't get. It can be a school you didn't get into. But something where your life was headed on some trajectory and something came along. And got derailed. Yeah, outside of your control. You got derailed. And everything you thought was be, was going to be, turns out isn't, and now you have to figure it out. And so because of that shift, it, it causes and pushes people, or at least gives the opportunity, for people to shift into 
the afternoon of life. Meaning that what was true for the morning of life is now not true for the afternoon of life. And the the lists shift for men and women. Right. And yeah, I just want to say this before we give the description of, of the second list. The morning of life is life as a child. It is your domestication. And there's some level of expectation that the world will take care of you if you do the things that you are being told to do. If you study, you get a good grade. If you get a good grade, you'll get into a good college. And the afternoon of life requires you to actually take self-reliance and responsibility for your life. And unfortunately, if we're not learning that as people, that's where we tend to feel very anxious and depressed, which is why there's so much anxiety and depression in our world right now. And we're seeing that on high levels, anxious parents, all over, anxious kids, and it's all the who moved my cheese. Why didn't the world go the way it told me it was supposed to? And so what you'll hear on this list is bringing back something bigger than ourselves. So number one for men is actually spirituality which I find very interesting. And mind you, spirituality... It's not religion. It's not religion. Right. It is a connection to something greater than yourself. And your beliefs about this world, why we're here, what we're doing here, and what we're supposed to do with that. Right. It's not just to wake up and go to your job and then to come home and and go to sleep and wake up and do it again. Right. So spirituality is that inner reflection and times of... um, contemplating your life and becoming a creator of your life. Number two is personal peace. And you see this a lot with little boys who are taught to line up on the scrimmage line and shove all their feelings down and bulldoze the kid in front of them. Mm -hmm. This is centers around uh, boys and anger, Mm -hmm. right? And young men in anger. And so finding a place where that anger dissipates and you're able to find that peace within. And I would think it's especially confusing right now because things are a little simpler, even though that that motto was still there, that anger, bulldoze the kid in front of you was still there 20 years ago. Today, it's kind of taught like this, like what what is your ranking in your class? And everyone's the same and we all win. So which one is it? And so everyone feels that, that lack of personal peace because it's really difficult to find where you fit in because you're being judged and compared at the same time as you're being everyone's the same. And none of that is true, sadly. And that's why the afternoon of life is finding that personal peace where you learn to accept who you are as you are. And it's okay if other people are who they are and it, and you don't have to be in such comparison. Number three is family. So this is the first time anyone else shows up on the guys list. So it's not just about him anymore, right? right? Now looking out for his family, not just his immediate family, but extended family too. People who he cares about and feels a need to care about. Number four is living by an honor code. This is huge. Yeah. So a lot of times I ask men to define what it means to be a good man in this world. And so this really hits at that, is that how do you define yourself minus everyone else and everyone else's judgment, everyone else's input, and what do you live by? What is your standard of living, 
right? Because when you look in the mirror, that is the only judge that you need to consider. I heard a quote the other day. It says, you don't have to be better than other people. You just have to be better than yourself. And I think that type of concept of having integrity and and looking at who you are in the world is been sort of lost. I think that's such an important thing that you're doing with the work with men to help them learn that from inside as opposed to the judgments of the world around them. Mm -hmm. Right. Number five is honesty. Mm. And honesty, I think, goes with that whole get on the scrimmage line and bulldoze the kid in front of you instead of what do you feel is correct? What's your integrity? So it kind of goes with all those ones before that of know yourself and acting according to what you're in alignment with and have an honest life around that, even if it's not popular. Well, it also hits at, you know, living in truth despite anyone else's judgment or expectations of yourself. And so now it's 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 about living up to that honor code and doing what is right for you versus what other people think you should be doing. And I'm so glad we were coming up in an age that was way before social media. That's got to be so much more extra confusing. Oh, so much more pressure. Yeah, today for, for young people. And number six is humility. Huge, huge. Which this world needs a lot more of. A lot more humility. Because humility is about slaying the ego and opening yourself up towards something bigger than yourself. It is not about humiliation. Mm. And I think that's an important differentiation that if you're doing things that you're stepping on other people, that's not humility. That's being a bully. And when you're in a place of humility, you're also not letting people step on you. It's not humiliation, but a humbleness of showing up and being open to things and also taking responsibility and protecting yourself. So that masculine pathway is like, you're not number one, there's something bigger than you. And to start to search for that inner peace through those bigger concepts of your own integrity and bigger things than yourself. So the women's list, number one is personal growth. And what we've noticed in working with so many couples over these years is this piece right here typically lends to the couple changing. And personal growth for women typically happens when their kids get to be a certain age and they're not so bombarded with everything in the world. And maybe they read a book or they watch a movie or something kind of sparks this idea that maybe something could be different. Well, the shift that we see is when a woman turns from pointing the finger at her husband that you should change to pointing the finger at herself and really looking at what she has the power and control over changing and looking at who she is and who she really wants to be in this world. And when she starts to focus on that, that's when her husband is able to say, hey, where'd you go? And, you know, now start to look at himself. I was talking to one of my clients the other day and I asked her, how often are you doing things you don't want to be doing 
because your kids want to do it or your husband wants to do it or your friends want to do it. And she said, and I hear this a lot, she said, all the time. All the time. All the time. So that's what this is about now for the for the shift for women is to become the center of their own life. So personal growth is the first one for women. Number two is self-worth, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So if you notice on the morning list, it's all about, does everyone else think I'm attractive? Do I fit in? Do I get the approval of everybody else? This is, do I like me? Do I like who I am? even if other people don't. Number three is spirituality. And I think spirituality becomes third on the women's list because if if a woman doesn't know herself and like herself, spirituality can actually be one more way she beats herself up. Instead of hearing her truth, spirituality can be kind of one of those pitfalls because, and you see this a lot in the, the younger people who are very into things like yoga and um, so some of the, I don't know if it's still called new age. I don't think it's really new age anymore. I don't really know the terms, but they read too much. They get too much external guidance on how to be different in the world. And they don't listen to their own truth. And spirituality is really about listening to what's true for you. And sometimes what's true for you isn't true for other people. And we talk about that in other podcast so we won't go into that but we're we're not talking about you being better than other people but just your own truth and your own truth doesn't step on other people your own truth has to do with what's the best food for me to eat what's the right job for me to have how many kids should i have you know who should i marry this isn't about other people this is about your own self and standing into your own integrity your own truth of yourself in that spirituality that same self reflection you can see this trend here in the afternoon life of women where it is the shift from everyone else to now focusing on herself. And one of the biggest challenges there is facing the definitions of selfishness, right? And the judgment of other people if she were to do that mm-hmm. and look at herself. And now it's, oh, you're being selfish now. So it's almost the opposite pathway of that humility and... Uh, thinking about other people for the masculine and the feminine, it's thinking more of the self because if the first spiritual law is all is one, then if you are a martyr and you are sacrificing for others, that actually hurts other people as well, not just you. So number four is her own happiness. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It comes number four, right? <laughs> way way down there, right? Yeah. And it, I can't tell you how many times I've given the homework assignment to take three hours for yourself and don't run errands and don't think anything for anyone else and just go do whatever you want for three hours. And women look like I've asked them to go fly to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what? Yeah, then no. So disconnected. They have no right. idea how to do that. And they're terrified of it. Because everyone needs her. Every- everyone needs her, you know? <laughs> yeah, who are you if not everybody needs you? Right. Number five is generosity because this is how women love. If I love you and you need something, I'll be there for you. But this is not the codependency of the morning of life. This is something very different. And this is, you can't say yes if you can't say no. And the generosity of saying no when it's someone else's responsibility instead of it burning you out. And that's how you can tell when you're violating that. You'll burn out. I think that's a very important point to stress. 
You can't say yes unless you can say no. So that really shows the balance, right, that a woman is able to find that balance within because their tendency is to just say yes all the time. Especially to our children. And our children aren't learning self-reliance and self-sufficiency. Children, extended family, friends, everyone in the world. If you believe everyone needs you and they can't live without you, well, then you're crippling them as well as yourself. Mm-hmm. And number six for the on the women's side is forgiveness. And that forgiveness extends to not just how we participate in allowing people to uh, ask for things that we go against ourselves and give them, but also the way that we've also treated our mothers and grandmothers and taken advantage of that generosity of that feminine energy and and allowed other people to take advantage of that within us. So, you know, the pathway for women is to become in the center of their life. And from that place, you are a better giver, you are a better partner, you're a better parent, you have better boundaries, and you're healthier. This is not a selfish, I get to eat all the food in the room and nobody else gets to have anything. But this is the better I care for me and and myself, the better I can show up for other people and the more appropriately I can show up for other people. So this list, the shift, it really encompasses a lot of the work that we do with couples, both with the man and the woman in the relationship, helping them figure out themselves and their own individual shift, but then also how that comes together in moving the relationship into this new era, this new stage of creating an us. And you could see how that afternoon of life really beautifully creates that, where it is not one of competition, it's not one of expectation, but it is one of personal expectation. It's one of personal growth. It's one of personal evolution, where you now see the true purpose of yourself in your relationship and your true purpose for your partner. Hopefully you've heard us say that all relationships are 50-50, that both people are equally responsible for the condition of the relationship. And this shift concept in these categories of ways of being in the morning of life and in the afternoon of life really clearly define that, that if your partner is showing up selfish and you're showing up selfless, those are both things that need correction. And so this sounds so simplistic as we talk about it, as you've written it down, but it will challenge really old uh, things that you learned as a child that will feel very scary to let go of, very scary. And the good news is, is when you do that, the payoff is instant, but the fear is going to come up first. The fear is if I shift this, then I'm going to get even more taken advantage of or whatever whatever those fears are that you learned. And so that's why it's it's very helpful to have someone to bounce these things off of as you're trying to make these shifts so that you get the courage to do something different because as human beings, we don't like that so much. But it is very, very powerful. There's a truth to it that we've seen time and again. And go to YouTube. The movie is two hours long. It's by Wayne Dyer. Uh, it's, there's a subtitle meaning. Oh, I forgot that one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you look up The Shift and you look up Wayne Dyer. Yeah. So there's there's another movie that's entitled The Shift and it's not that at all. No, if this is about an emergency room, that is not what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if you've gone through your own shift, you know, send us a message and let us know, you know, that success because it's so incredibly powerful and such a healthier and peaceful way to live in the world once you make that shift. It is not an easy shift to make, but it's definitely worth it. Before we close, I just wanted to kind of put a word in about our upcoming weekend intensive, which is April 20th to the 23rd, and also our weekend intensive that is scheduled for October 12th through the 15th. And these weekends are really designed to help couples connect at a level that they never even knew that they could get to. And a lot of these concepts here that we talk about on our podcast are really taught in depth on these weekends, and we help couples really practically apply that. So this is a really great opportunity for couples out there to connect, to have fun, to really bond with each other, and really take their their relationship to the next level. Yeah, it's not a class to learn things and go home and practice. It literally is experiential where once you feel the success of that afternoon of life, you won't go back. It is a permanent shift that will happen on the weekend. And it's something we're really proud of. There's also a third weekend we're doing this year. And this is for anyone. This is, you don't have to be in a relationship. And this one's in September. And so look for more information about that. But that is a spiritual and personal development. That is actually September 15th through the 17th. So we should have the information up for that in the next few weeks. But if you're interested in attending the weekend intensive, just go to couplesynergy.com and click on weekend intensive. It'll send you right to a registration link where you can sign up to meet with us personally for a pre-screening interview. And there's only a few spots left. So if you're interested, reach out right away. Don't, don't hesitate. Definitely. So we want to thank you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.